This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And welcome back to the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. And Brandon, this is it. This is this is the show that we have been sort of waiting for. The kind of culmination of everything we've talked about all season. Who's in, who's out. Well, there's no more discussions or predictions or this or that. We know the college football playoff teams... And they are Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Washington. We're going to get into those. We're also today going to get into the Heisman and then Leonard Fournette being drafted because he declared for the draft today. But I want to get right into this playoff discussion. No silly banter about how was your weekend. We got to dive right into this because Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Washington are our final four teams. Penn State, Michigan, Oklahoma left out. I'm going to hit you with the simple question, Brandon. Did the committee get it right? Well, as usual, no, they didn't. And I think that um, I I just don't – I don't know. I I don't think Washington should be there at number four after what we saw with Penn State. I just don't. And I I think that that's because I I, I understand, you know, Washington wins their (sighs) – Washington wins their conference championship. Penn State wins their conference championship. Ohio State doesn't even play for a conference championship. Clemson wins a close one against VT. I I, I think that Penn State, you know, again, it's a word that you've said, you know, a term that you've used and you've Mm -hmm. been like, ah, you know, I don't really want to use it, but I'm going to. I'm going to use it. You know, the overall body of work, it looks better for Penn State Penn State's a more competitive team, I think. Uh, Washington has certainly, I don't think, gone up against the kind of types of teams that Penn State has. I, I think Penn State should be there. Other people would actually say Michigan should be there as well. Uh, you could par- probably make the case that Penn State and Michigan should both be in there at 11-2 and and 10-2, and both respectively. Um, I-, I would also say that Oklahoma should be in there. Uh, you know, if, if it were really up to me, if it were really up to me, I'd put Alabama, Penn State, Michigan, and Oklahoma. And and you're probably going, Brandon, you're, you're bat shit crazy, <laughs> and, and that's okay, but I'm probably putting them because of the fact that I think they will give Alabama a better run, and I think that those will be the better games against what ultimately I think are better teams and I and I say Oklahoma and I know they're all the way down they end down at seven um very close but they end at seven and I think it's because you take a look at this Oklahoma team and Ricky I was talking to you about it before we came on tonight Mm -hmm. is that Oklahoma did something good that I really liked they scheduled some tough games at the beginning of the season they scheduled some tough games at the end of the season and then they had you know a couple other games in between and stuff like that but I like that they did that. There's teams that they'll put their tougher games either at the beginning or at the end, not both places. And I think for Oklahoma, that's that's what they did. And they lost two games early on in the season to a Houston team who I still give credit to as a as a good team, as a as a tough team, and, and to Ohio State. But I think that what they did and how they ended the season, just like Penn State. 
they ended on a roll and on a very hot streak. So I, I really think that you can make a case for Oklahoma to be there, uh, certainly for Michigan and for Penn State. You know, another thing that, Ricky, that you and I talked about, and I'm trying not to be too long-winded here. I've probably already gone past that point. But but Clemson, uh, a weak team this season, uh, as opposed to what we saw last season. Clemson fans, I don't want you to get mad at me. I'm, I'm saying it's it's a weaker team as opposed to what we saw last season, especially from a defensive standpoint, I think. Ohio State, uh, they're a team that... Uh, you know, offensively, they have really blown out some teams, but then on the same at, on the same token, they have also looked lifeless. You know that they couldn't you know they couldn't do anything um, against you know a couple of teams like a Northwestern team mm-hmm. that wasn't all that wonderful this season. They struggled. They won, but they struggled. And then a Washington team that I think has. Um, you know that that's that's been a team that has won a lot of games this season, but again, it's the question I've been asking all season of the Washington Huskies: Who are you playing? You know, if if we wanted to go by, oh, you won a lot of games or you didn't have any losses, Western Michigan should be in. Oh, Western I, Michigan should be one of the one of the teams in. You know, roll the boat, baby, roll the boat. But see, that's but that's one of the things is that you can't just look at, oh, wow, they got a lot of wins. <laughs> No, the, the Western Michigan wouldn't stand a chance against any of the other teams that are mm-hmm. in this playoff. But I think, obviously, you know, Alabama is right. But I think, you know what the problem, I think, is? What? And we've talked, I talked about it today. We were sending text messages mm-hmm. back and forth with a lot of the guys here from MVP. Mainly Mike and Sean. But the, the problem is Alabama. The problem they're is Alabama good. because they're too good. And I think it's because all the other teams, they have not stepped up to the plate to be on the same level as Alabama. I think maybe they're trying, but I think they're seeing that you're not going to have as much respect if you're not at that level of Alabama. And if you take Alabama away, there's more parity. These games look a lot better, a lot closer. But Alabama is there, and they're not going away. And I think that other teams need to step up their game to try and get there. And right now, I just don't think enough teams have done it. Well, and... You've said a lot there, and there's a lot of teams that go after, and I want to dissect as much as we can, but some of the things that I'm kind of formulating in my head while listening to you talk there was I took out some points. The first one, I'll start with the last one you had, the Alabama comparison. The thing that I look at, and I pulled up right now every single team in pretty much in the top six almost, where you look at the first game, First game that they played, opening week, Michigan played Hawaii, blew them out. Some would say not that strong of an opponent. Clemson, you played Auburn, you won 19-13. I'll give you that one. You went out, you scheduled a team from the SEC on the road. You went into Auburn and won that game. Ohio, and, and, and also remember, Auburn wasn't ranked at the time, but mm-hmm. they turned out to be a very strong team this season. Now, the one thing I'll say about Ohio State and maybe Michigan can fall into this too. They didn't schedule tough opponents opening day. Bowling Green was Ohio State's opening game, but they still went out of the conference to play good teams. Michigan played a good Colorado team this year who everyone didn't expect them to be good, but they were the second-best team in the Pac-12 this year. And Ohio State went out and played Oklahoma. An Oklahoma team that if they would have won week one against Houston, it would have been a... 2-0, 2-0 matchup when Ohio State went into Norman to play Oklahoma. 
Sorry, Ricky. I, I, I'm sorry. I know that I already had my my talking time, but I, <laughs> it's I th- a pa- you're passionate about this. But I think that if you if 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 you go back and you turn back time, and Oklahoma beats Houston, or they beat Ohio State, all they would have needed is one of those wins, and they're in. That mm-hmm. would have been only one loss. They win the Big Twelve, and if everything else would have happened the same way, it would have been one loss. They win the Big Twelve, and they would have had one more quality, quote unquote, quality win under their belt. Oklahoma, we'd be sitting here. Oklahoma well, would be a playoff team, and, certainly over uh, and o- Washington. And Oklahoma with theirs, they were risky too. They go and play Ohio State. They open up the season neutral site. Basically, it's and I'm using air quotes neutral site. It was a home game for Houston. That was in Houston. It was in a pro stadium, but it was in Houston. It was in their backyard. It was a home game for the Cougars. They went in there. They scheduled tough opponents. The two teams that it comes down to to me, Washington and Penn State, the four and the five team that we have right now. And to me, it is very simple. Don't have to look at the conference schedule. The Big Ten is better. Don't tell me otherwise. What I look at is your non-conference. Rutgers, Idaho, Portland State for Washington, Kent State, Pitt, Temple for the Nittany Lions. Now, you could say, well, Ricky, on an average of rankings and strength of schedule and this and that, Penn State might win in that department. But I'm I'm just going to go for one game each. I'm putting Rutgers up against Pitt. Those are the Out of those three games, the non-conference games, those were the two highest in both of those teams' schedule. Which one? I know Penn State lost to Pitt by three, but also Clemson did too, and they're in the playoff. Pitt is a better opponent than Rutgers. And Washington, I mean, I got nothing to complain about with them. You can complain that they shouldn't be in the playoff, and I would agree with you. But in the end, Washington did what Washington had to do. They made a schedule that they thought would make it to the playoff. And that's the thing that you can kind of blame on the committee, I think, because we sit here and we go, well, you got to get stronger opponents. you got to do this. you got to do that. But these coaches are sitting there going, well, wait, wait, wait. If I don't have to do that, I'm not going to do that. You know what I'm saying? Washington went out made this schedule because their main thought was, we want to be in a position to win the Pac-12. And then it became, oh, we can make the college football playoff as they got into Penn, like Pac-12 territory. That was that's what this falls on. The committee going out there and rewarding teams with a schedule like that because basically if I'm any other team, that hurts college football because no one else does what Alabama did. Oh, that's right. I didn't tell you who they played week one. They went out and played the number 20th team in the nation. I know you're saying, oh, one versus 20, it's still a blowout. But they went out and played USC at a neutral site, which was still a big game coming in. So... Alabama not afraid to schedule those big-time opponents. And see, that's the thing that the rest of the teams can't be afraid of either. Mm -hmm. If you want to be able to get into the college football playoff, you need to be able to take some risks. You need to be able to go out your comfort zone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I think that that's that's part of the issue is that teams, they think that if you have that record, 
that if if you're twelve and zero at the end of the season or eleven and one, oh, you still have a good chance of making the college football playoff. No, you, that's not necessarily the case because if you have not scheduled good teams, quality teams, they're going to look at you and they're going to look at you as oh, Western Michigan, you're gonna you're gonna have a, a a pretty good spot in the rankings throughout the season. But when it comes down to it, at the very end, you're not going to be in the playoffs because you just didn't play good teams. You know that's just not. That's not the point. The point is not to win all your games. The point is to play quality teams and then beat those teams mm-hmm. to look like a quality team. If you lose one time, clearly it's showing that you can lose one time, maybe two times. If you've had a very, very good schedule, if you've played well throughout that schedule, if you tried to play the best of the best because you believe you're the best of the best, you go out there and play the best of the best. I do have an if an issue with Washington getting in, especially over Penn State. The problem with that is if Penn State doesn't get blown out by Michigan, I think they are in the college football playoff. The committee looked at that blowout by Michigan. Ooh, you lost by 39. I don't think we can have a team that lost by that much. That margin of victory, which, mm-hmm. gosh, that's something the committee has done before, too. Margin of victory. I don't think that if they didn't lose by that much, I do not think that they would have been kicked out of this playoff. Also, you have to look at the game they played, that Penn State played against Wisconsin. They won 38-31 to in the game where they were down significantly early on in the game. They showed resilience. When has Washington showed resilience? Never. I mean, help me out here. I mean, listeners, game, but listeners, they lost. Help, help me out with that. When has Washington shown resilience? Maybe Utah to be able to hang on and win that game? They, they, haven't, they haven't been tested in that, in that way. You know, you, you say Colorado's a good team, which clearly they showed that they were good enough this season to be up there. They got blown out by Washington. There was no challenge there. I, I, I just, and I'm not, I'm, I'm really trying not to rag on them, but there's too much that I'm seeing with some of these other teams that did not make it in, that have a better pedigree than Washington did this season in a week, week, week. Let me say it again. Week, Pac-12 this season. Well, it, it was it was really, really uh, disheartening, I think, for, for the Pac-12 overall, because if you look at them, they were not that good. The next best after Washington on the north side was Washington State at eight and four. Mm-hmm. Then after that, Stanford at nine and three, Cal, Cal at five and seven on the south side. Colorado won it at ten and three, USC at nine and three, then Utah at eight and four, and it goes from there. Washington clearly was standing out at twelve and one, and then eight and one in the conference. But I, I still think that you have to look, you have to look at the other conferences and see how they played this season and see how strong they were this season. Clearly, the Big Ten was very strong. SEC is always strong. I I just think that with the way that Penn State really geared up towards the end of the season, they did really well. I also think, and I'm going to stick with Oklahoma on this one, I think that Oklahoma did a really good job of scheduling tough opponents. And unfortunately, they lost to two of those tough opponents, but well, they, but they really, they, they they scheduled them. They were not afraid to schedule them. That was in the beginning of the season when they struggled. They ended mm-hmm. very strong. I just, 
I also think in mind, we're humans. We are humans. So we're obviously looking at, okay, we know Alabama's good. Who's going to be able to compete against them? Not Washington, not the Huskies. And I'll be happy to eat my words if they compete against Alabama. Happy to, Sean Anderson. But I think that ultimately at the end of the day, you have to at least look at the fact that we want to be able to have some good TV Mm -hmm. so we can, you know, make money, which is what it's all about. Yeah, if no one watches, we're not going to make money. No. You schedule some teams and Mm -hmm. you can pop some teams in there that are going to be better. Oklahoma has the offense to be able to do it. I just don't know if if Washington has the offense to be able to keep up against that Alabama defense. And the reason and people will say, well, Brandon, they both have offenses that are mm-hmm. elite offenses. I I I think that that uh, Baker Mayfield and that crew more so because they've been playing again in, in the Big Twelve where their offense is just better. You know who Washington should be thanking. They should be writing thank you cards from every single player on that team to Iowa. The reason why I say that is one thing that I believe, and I know this is the part of the podcast where you go, well, Ricky, woulda, coulda, shoulda, it doesn't matter, but I'm still going to bring this up because I believe this to be true. If Michigan never loses to Iowa, Michigan is the fourth team behind Ohio State. And the reason why I say that, here's the reason I say that. Here's the reason. I So if Michigan would have never lost to Iowa, I think our playoff would have been Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan. That would have been our playoff. And the reason I say that is when Michigan lost to Iowa, didn't move in the rankings. Did not move in the college football rankings. They stayed pat right there at number three. They did not move until they lost to Ohio State, and they only fell two. The way I'm thinking of it, and of course this is a kind of conspiracy, but also kind of just a would've, could've, should've situation, if they don't lose to Iowa, they stay at three anyways. Then let's say they do lose to Ohio State, but how they lost to Ohio State, do you move them? Do you say, okay, you move to four? They're still in with one loss, and then they don't play the conference championship week because Penn State would be playing for that. And then I think how it plays out is Clemson jumps Ohio State and Michigan's sitting there at four. Then we have Michigan-Alabama, Clemson-Ohio State, or reverse because Clemson would be the home team. That's who Washington should be thanking. And the thing that I want to say, this is to Oklahoma and Penn State fans because I know you guys are upset. Oklahoma fans because you guys went out there, you scheduled two tough opponents. Just You went after Tom Herman in Houston, got bit in Houston. Then you went after Ohio State, and you got the wrath of Urban Meyer. That's basically how that went down. But the one thing you guys can hang your hat on, who's coming back next season? Who said he's not going to the NFL? Who's coming back for his senior season? Baker Mayfield. You can hang your hat on that. You will be just as good next year because you have a quarterback who can get you there. With Penn State, I'm going to use, and this is me, I'm taking this as I always do, as I was waiting for you to come home from work so we could record this podcast, Brandon. I was I was like, ah, I'm going to watch what Colin Cowherd thought of the college football playoff. And 
he used an analogy that is now my favorite analogy in the entire world. And it's as simple as this. He said he heard it from a commencement speech way back when YouTube first started, he said. But here's how it goes. Outline your life in pencil, not in pen. And he was bringing that up because the point is outline it in pencil because then you can erase pencil. Don't trap yourself in a box by outlining everything in pen. And to relate that to Penn State, I'm looking down your depth chart right now, five players. You have five starters that are for sure gone. Those are seniors. You have five starters who are seniors. You are returning most of your team, most of your team. So you are still going to be in a great position next year to not only make the college football playoffs, hell, I'll even say it. There might be people next year picking you guys to win the whole thing. That's how good your roster is, bringing back so many players, especially on the starting front. And you look at the schedule for next year for Penn State, you guys play Akron, Pittsburgh, and Georgia State. Those are your non-conference game. Pitt, again, is your hardest non-conference game, and you can beat them. I know you can. You have it in you. Your toughest games after that, you're going to Iowa. That'll be a tough one. You play Michigan at home. You could beat Michigan at home, but your toughest game of the year, October 28th, 2017, when they're not coming to town this time, you're going into the horseshoe to play Urban Meyer and the Ohio State Buckeyes. And the reason why I liked that analogy that Cowherd used, the don't box yourself in or outline don't outline your life in a with pen or with pen is what I'm trying to say is by you saying right now we should be in we have the conference title we should be in we have the conference title guess what could happen next year next year you guys could win every single game lose to Ohio State not play for the conference title and get in what happened for Ohio State this year could happen for you next year so don't complain about it right now Lick your chops, say, you know what, I don't agree with you, but you know what, we're going to be in good shape because our coach ain't going anywhere. No one's talking about James Franklin going to the NFL, going to a different job. He's staying put. You're returning a ton of players. Next year could be your year is what I'm trying to say. And no one's talking about James Franklin being on the hot seat either Anymore. because that was one thing coming into this season. Mm-hmm. He, he he was possibly on the hot seat. He was on he the needed, hot seat. He needed, he, he needed to have season. a really good season, and he has done just that. He's had an outstanding season. I think that there's there's plenty of room for these players to be upset because of the season that they had. and oh, and, of cer- and certainly of the, the middle part of the season and the second half that they had. Mm-hmm. I mean, after that win against, and I don't care that it was at home. I don't care that it wasn't on the road at Ohio State in the horseshoe. It that does not matter to me. You beat Ohio State and 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 that is that's like beating up on Big Brother. Mm-hmm. And I think that after that win, that just propelled them not only to score more points and blow teams out, but I just think it propelled them they they just had a better I think attitude, feel, it was just it seemed like something was just special with that team from Penn State. So I, I feel for those guys not being able to make it in to the college football playoffs this season. Ricky, one interesting thing. I sent it to you on Twitter mm-hmm. over the weekend. 
And I believe I retweeted if it's the same thing I'm thinking I about. believe it was. And it was PSU football U. And the quote was, quote, if you don't win your conference, you shouldn't be playing for a national championship, end quote, Urban Meyer back in 2006. And I know that is years and years ago, what feels like years and years ago. But how interesting, how interesting him saying that way back when and how his team does not win a conference championship Mm -hmm. and they are in and the team that does is sitting on the sidelines. It's funny that you say that because today as I went into work and I kind of looked at the ESPN kind of headlines as I was waiting for my email to load up and my computer to kind of wake up from being asleep all weekend one of the things that I have not watched yet, have not had time, but it's like a short minute video of Urban Meyer. And on ESPN, the headline reads, Meyer sympathizes with Penn State. And I found that funny. You re- you tweeted that at me, and then I saw this, where Urban Meyer to me seems like a guy where he said it, but he's not going to retract on, like, oh, I, I, I didn't mean it. Now I mean something different. No, it it sucks. Being and I'm going to throw Oklahoma into this basket with Penn State. I'm sorry, you're not alone. I'm bringing the boys from Norman in with me because they deserve this talk too. It sucks. It absolutely sucks to win your conference title and watch someone else who didn't get in. But you know what? Sometimes, and this is the life talk, sometimes that happens in life. You feel like you deserve something, someone else gets it. What do you do? If that happened in real life, what do you do? Do you sit there and complain and say that person shouldn't have got it? Or do you say, you know what, we got to get to work. We're getting to work for next year. Of course, they got a bowl game. They got USC. I think that. But you get my point. I think that what these teams obviously have to do is they should pull out some Play Doh and some coloring books and do exactly what. so many people did after the election. <laughs> I think that that would really help to calm them down and, and, and really ease the, any, any of the tensions. What I'm saying, my point being, is Penn State, you guys, in Oklahoma, you guys have Baker Mayfield, but Penn State, you have so much to hang your hat on next year. And I know that it sucks hearing that now, but just wait. Just wait, and and this is I'm gonna I'm gonna pull something out here. This is a Cubs fan telling you he knows how you feel. Just wait. You know how crushed I was when the Mets swept us in the NLCS. I thought, you know what? I thought the absolute worst. This could be like when the net like when the Nets could have won it. They shut down Strasburg, never went back. There's no guarantee we might not win the World Series. What happened this year? The Cubs won the World Series. Talk to me a year from now when Penn State is in the college football playoff because it could happen. It could happen theoretically with the team you are bringing back and your schedule. I, I think I think that's nice that you're that you're saying that stuff, Ricky. But I think personally, I think it's too early to look at next season already. I, I think that what you have to look forward to is you have Rose Bowl forward game. to look forward to that pretty oh. Rose Bowl game, and it is going to be a lot of fun. I, I think that you're, you're looking at two really good teams. 
USC, uh, they they had a really poor start to their season. They're another team that could have been in the talk if they didn't fuck up in September. If if they didn't have a rough September, they would have been um, certainly in some conversations, I think, uh, still probably left out, but uh, they certainly would have been in, in conversations. And I, I think that if they didn't have such a, a, a crummy September, I think they, they would have uh, popped right over Washington. Um, but... I, I think that that's what these Nittany Lions and the Trojans have forward have, have to look forward to is this Rose Bowl game. You want to prove people? You want to show people that you should have put me in the big, big game? Because Rose Bowl, it's a big game. It's a big game. But I don't think that we're going to have the type of game that we had last year with Stanford and with Iowa. I don't think we're going to have that at all. It's not going to be a blowout. We're going to see a good game here. I I I think that... Again, both teams have certainly something to to prove, and it's to prove people wrong, especially for the Nittany Lions to say, you know what? You were wrong. You should have put us in. We deserve to be in, and we came to play today, and we're showing you that we deserved to be in that championship game if they would have gotten there because they could have at least had a spot in the playoffs. But, you know, there, we could honestly, you really, if you if you take a look at things, Ricky, and you obviously have the four playoff teams of Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Washington, but you could realistically make a case for six through nine mm-hmm. to be in with Michigan, Oklahoma, excuse me, five through nine, Penn State, Michigan, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and USC. Personally, with Wisconsin being the weakest case in my mind. Personally. Well, and I mean, Wisconsin, the only thing that I say the weakest case is look at, like, they were up by, by halftime, thought that it was in the bag. Badgers are going to win. Badgers are the Big Ten champs. And then, like, I go to turn on the ACC championship game because it was getting close at the end. Oh, Penn State won. I'm like, what? What? Wisconsin was just up by so much. How did they how did they lose? And to me, just to kind of wrap up this entire discussion, every single year, we're going to have things to complain about. To, dis- is, to discuss. I'd like to say discuss, not complain. Well, I'm talking about as the collective, like, me and you having a discussion. Me, you, the fans of Most Valuable Podcasts who are going to tell us what they think in the comment, our comment section are going to have a discussion but for some people it is complaining complaining about what happened and i mean we get it every single year i mean i can pull up last year's rankings and the big one that people were talking about a whole year ago was Iowa. Oh, Iowa should have been in. They're a one-loss team. Should have been in over Oklahoma. This and that. Oh, what about Stanford? What about Ohio State should have been in? And then you've got the year before in 2014 where people are talking about TCU Baylor. Oh, TCU Baylor. One of them should be in. It doesn't matter that neither of them won their conference title. There's going to be something like this every year because guess what, Brandon? It doesn't matter if you have four teams, if you have six teams, if you have eight teams, if you have 68 teams, guess what? That next team is always going to think they should have been in. 
Always. And but and see that's that's the reason why uh, so many people so many people can say, you know, we should go to eight teams. Like mm-hmm. you just said, we should go to eight teams. Well, when a team gets snubbed at nine, oh, well, it should be 12. Oh, it should be 16. Oh, you know what? Let's just make it 64 like college basketball. Yep. No. Four right now certainly works. I, I On this show, I have said and tried to make a case for eight, but right now four is working. You're always going to have someone snubbed. Welcome to this game called life. You're always going to get snubbed in something at some point. You got to move on, grow, and get better. What's one thing you told me before we hit the record button about an eight-game playoff? About this year in an eight-game playoff that might not have been the same for last year, Brandon. What did you say? Oh, I said that this year an eight-game playoff may have worked. Mm -hmm. Last year, maybe not the case. Next year, maybe not the case. Each year's different. Each year's different. Each year, but I'm telling you, though, too, each year the committee will look for something new. It's mm-hmm. what they do. You know, next year, it's all body of work. 2018, it's a margin <laughs> of victory. 2019. It's conference championships again. 2019, we we moved to a two-game playoff, and it's Alabama <laughs> playing Alabama. So we're going back to the BCS is basically what you're saying, which I'm going to get his name wrong. Chris Fowler. Chris Fowler. ESPN said that uh, on the selection show, I thought it was funny where he goes, Reese is ready to wrap it up with his interview. He goes, Reese, I got one more thing to say. I know uh, that nobody likes talking about the BCS anymore, but uh, you go ahead and look back at those rankings. Most of the time, it got it got the best two teams right at the end of the day. And everyone wanted to crucify the BCS for what it did, but... Guess what? Apparently they did it again this year just for fun, and the top two teams were Alabama-Clemson. So the committee, or the top four teams were the same four teams the committee picked. So that was Chris Fowler's way of saying the BCS wasn't completely wrong in that sense when it came to playoff teams and national champions. And I was going to say, you know, how much how much more effective would it be if we just you know, let a computer do it? Let a computer do it based on a criteria that they have that it has mm-hmm. to go by looking at all the different factors that the committee looks at per year. Mm-hmm. The, but the committee always focuses on one factor, it seems like. If you could put in all these factors, you know, margin of victory, strength of schedule, scheduling, um, all these different things that a computer would then have to take that all into effect each year, we may get it right. We're never going to get it right. No, a computer can't get everything right, and humans certainly will get things wrong. Someone is always going to be left out and sitting at the kids' table at the end of the day. That's how and that's why we goes. have seventy-two bowl games, so no <laughs> one ever feels left hey out man, in the North, cold. North Texas got in, and they're a uh, sub five hundred team, so uh, you don't even have to win six games anymore to get into a bowl game. Think of that. Think of that for a second. But we're going to move on before we do. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section. We went on for this one. This is probably the longest discussion we've ever had for a topic in a podcast this season. Let us know down below what you guys think of this discussion. But you want to say one more thing. I know you do. And we just hope, I just hope, I know you're with me on this one, Ricky. We hope that we opened a a door for a really good discussion Mm -hmm. amongst 
all of our fans because you you guys are fans of so many different teams. And that's what we love, that we have a lot of diversity within the sports, um, you know, and, and, and our, our viewership and, and listenership. So we really want to hear from you, you know, not even if you think that we're wrong or right, but what you think, too, that you would be doing, who you would be putting in and the type of case you are making for them. So please let us know. We'd love to have discussions down below, you know, very logical uh, and, uh, and and really good back-and-forth discussions. You know, if you want to call us, uh, you know, idiots and stuff like that, save it for a different day because that's not what we're looking for here. We're looking for some good discussion, even if you do think uh, we are wrong. It's fine to disagree. You can do it in a nice way, though. Well, and with that note, we're going to move right on into the next topic. And I said predictions were done not so double not so fast, as uh, Lee Corso and my good co-host Brandon Swanson would say is we've got one more thing to kind of predict and kind of talk about Brandon that is the Heisman Trophy Award giveaway I'm going to call it the presentation of the Heisman Award and today the five finalists were announced for next Monday or Saturday night pardon me the Saturday presentation of the Heisman Award you've got Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson or Lamar Action Jackson as I like to call him You've got Oklahoma quarterback who's returning for his senior season, Baker Mayfield. You've got a receiver from Oklahoma, D.D. Westbrook. You've got Michigan linebacker Jabril Peppers and Clemson quarterback Deshaun Watson. Where do you start with this one? Now, I'm not going to ask you who you got in. I want to save who you got winning for the end, but where's your starting point when you look at these five Heisman finalists? Well, I think, you know, first of all, you, you got to start at the quarterback position uh, because that's, you know, again, it's a, it's a, it's a quarterback heavy this year, year of the quarterback, certainly um, for Heisman candidates. And, and I think that, you know, first you start with, with the team that, uh, with the, with the player on the team that finds themselves in the college football playoffs. And that's with Clemson quarterback Deshaun Watson. And, and I think that, uh, Watson, what he has done this season, you know, certainly last season, I think you really make uh, the, the the case for him last year. He he played very well, and, and he did it on both sides. You mm-hmm. know, running the football, passing the football, he was really strong. He had a really great season, and I think that if Derrick Henry didn't have the year he had, Deshaun Watson wins last season. Uh, you have a Baker Mayfield, uh, a guy who just continues to put up numbers at Oklahoma. And, you know, honestly, I think that this Oklahoma faithful has to be so excited that he's coming back for a senior season because it shows that he sees the importance, one, of school, two, of of a team. He sees that this team has so much potential to to eventually make it mm-hmm. to those college football playoffs. And then you take a look at the guy who's just been stupid good all season long, and that's Lamar Jackson. I mean, what's he combined for 51 total touchdowns on the season? Uh, something outrageous. Uh, but I think that you look at all those guys, and it's certainly, certainly quarterback heavy. And then D.D. Westbrook. I mean, you talk about a favorite target. He embodies favorite target of Baker Mayfield. He's been outstanding with 16 reception touchdowns on the year. 
And then, of course, the guy who you cannot leave out because he does it all. And that's Modern Jab- day Booby Miles. And that's Jabril Peppers. And, and I think that, uh, you know, he's the first defensive guy to be up for it since 2012 in Manti Teo from Notre Dame. And I think just the second in this decade, I, I, I think that Jabril Peppers is such a special player. He's going to go, I think, high in the draft for for the NFL. Top five, no doubt. I mean, he has to be. He certainly has to be. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe he even goes number one because the Cleveland Browns could use someone all over the field. But I think I think that this is a really good – it's a really good group of guys. I think that they're all very deserving – and now, Ricky, I'll throw it over to you to give your thoughts. Well, my fir- the point I want to start at was the last point that you started at was Jabril Peppers. And the thing that I think makes him so unique is everyone's going to look and say linebacker and say, oh, well, linebacker, look at his defensive stats. They're not that impressive. They're good. Not that impressive. Move right along. But the thing that makes... To me, Jabril Peppers, a, I'm going to say Heisman dark horse this year. Is he going to win it? Uh, spoiler alert. No, he's not going to be my pick in the end. I think everyone who has listened to the PTP knows who I'm going to pick in the end, but I'll save it. I won't blow my answer for you. The thing that makes Jabril Peppers the most interesting pick, and I would say a dark horse, is his return game the returnability of his game. He can do it in the return game. He can do it in the offense. He can run out of the backfield. He can do a wildcat. He can play defense. He can pretty much do it all. And to me, it's one of those things where I am going back year by year right now as I am talking to try to find not just the last, you said the last defensive player was Manti Teo, but I want to find out if we've had a a return guy who's been as great in the return game since Desmond Howard in 1991. And I went all the way through it, Brandon. No, we haven't. And we haven't had, to me, a great defensive back. Well, I know they say linebacker Jabril Peppers, but that's because he kind of plays that star defensive back linebacker kind of a hybrid position. We haven't had a great defensive back since Charles Woodson when he was at Michigan. So, to me, my thought process starts with Jabril Peppers because I don't think he's going to win it. I want to see where he finishes because D.D. Westbrook, I'm sorry, not anything to knock him. He's fifth. He's going to finish fifth in these rankings because he's a good talent but he's nothing compared to the other three. I want to know, though, Jabril Peppers, and I'll throw this to you, does he finish above any of the three quarterbacks? Any of them. That third quarterback, no matter who it may be, does Jabril finish above them and make that quarterback four? Um, you know what? And I Maybe it's because of the play that I think that the body of work. <laughs> what you did during your season. I, I think that when you look at the... Both of these players mean so much. Uh, the two players I'm going to bring up, both of these mm-hmm. players mean a, a lot to their team. 
It's clear. Can I take a guess at who it is? You sure sure can. Is it Deshaun Watson and Jabril Peppers? It's Deshaun Watson and Jabril Peppers. I knew it. And <laughs> I think it's because Deshaun Watson, again, I think he was better last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think just when you see his numbers, I feel like the he was test. better last year. The eye test, too. The eye test, too. How he kind of handled things at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. Oh, I'm doing poorly because I can't handle the pressure of the media. Come on. Or I'm not a dual-threat quarterback. Stop calling me a dual-threat quarterback. That's, that's weak. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that's that's something that he needs to get better at. Um, you know, in, in, in just in the sense of being able to handle something such as that, that's big. Um, but I also think that Jabril Peppers has meant a ton to his team. And I certainly think that... Jabril Peppers could, if he's going to finish above any quarterback, he finishes above Deshaun Watson, in my mind. Well, and to me, I'm glad you brought up Deshaun Watson because that was the next point I was going to take is if I am looking at the quarterbacks, it's Lamar Jackson versus who? And that's the top of it. It's Lamar Jackson, who's going to rival him? I say that the top two at the top of my top five for the Heisman are Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield because Deshaun Watson has had a down year, less passing yards, less rushing yards, less, or he's actually had more touchdowns through the air, less half as many touchdowns on the ground as he had last season, and more interceptions at 15. You look at Baker Mayfield, yeah, he has a little bit less yards, but a higher average per completion. He has more touchdowns. He has about the same interception numbers, where it's eight compared to seven, down from nine when he was at TTU, Texas Tech. But you look at his rushing numbers, yeah, he only has 143 yards, but he doesn't have to have a ton of yards. He still has six touchdowns on the ground. And to me, I look at Baker Mayfield and what he's been able to do this year with his team. I like him a little bit better. And a big stat that Baker Mayfield wins the cake compared to all three quarterbacks. And this is something that I know we're going to get into kind of a muddly ground that I don't mean to throw him under the bus here, but I'm going to bring him in. Sean loves to bring up when we talk about college to like great college players well how are they going to do as pros how are they going to do in the nfl well it doesn't matter but the one stat that does matter there that i'm going to pull out here completion percentage 71.2 percent of his passes completed up from 68 last year that's pretty damn good if you give me there are most guys that are like just give me 65 and i'm happy Just give me like 65, 66, maybe even 63 if I'm really stretching it, and I'll be happy with that completion percentage. He's giving you 71% this year. And I know you're saying, well, Ricky, he's got a Heisman finalist as a wide receiver in D.D. Westbrook, and that may help a little bit. But when I see this final going down, and this will get into who we got winning it, I'll give mine first. My top three straight down, I would give it to... Number three, Jabril Peppers. Number two, Baker Mayfield. Number one, Lamar Action Jackson. And I know what you might be saying. Well, but Ricky, Lamar Jackson only completed 57.6% of his passes. Have you seen him play this season? 
He passes the eye test. He has scored more touchdowns this season than I think anyone could any other year. 21 touchdowns on the ground and 30. He had 51 touchdowns this season alone. Kid blew it out of the water. Now, has he slowed down a bit since his hot September start? A little bit, but he is still the clear favorite for me for the Heisman Trophy. Brandon, what do you think? I think that uh, you want me to go 5-1? to one? Yeah, if you want. I mean, I basically gave mine by saying I said Westbrook would finish 5, and then I gave my top 3, so put Deshaun Watson where he fits in. It's like a puzzle piece. I, I think that at number five, I think it will be D.D. Westbrook. And, it's again, it's not a knock to him. You got to the final mm-hmm. five voting. Um, I think at number four, it will be Deshaun Watson. I, I just – he was better last year. I, I think that uh, Jabril Peppers has more of a case to be out in front of him. At number three, Jabril Peppers. At number two, at number two, and now I'll be honest with you, I it's it's a tough one for me. And I'll tell you why. Do you agree with me, or do you go on the other side just to be different, Brandon? I think that it's it's difficult because you look you go you go eye test. Mm-hmm. Both of the guys look really good. Both of the guys mean a lot to their teams. But Lamar Jackson is stupid good. That's what he looked like. Lamar Jackson looked like a guy who, at certain times, especially towards the end of the season when it meant the most, crumbled. And Baker Mayfield, at the end of the season, when it meant the most, did not. And he played very, very well. I think that you can't go based on how a team finishes. You have to go on how a performance from that particular player, how he does throughout the season. And for that... With overall total stats at the end of the day, on both sides, you said it. Baker Mayfield is two, while Lamar Jackson is one. And I don't want to give too I'm not saying that I hesitated too much on mm-hmm. that, but you did see at the end of the season, you know, Heisman is supposed to be for the that elite player, um, and, and Lamar Jackson certainly is. But I think that, again, at times towards the end of the season when it mattered most and the elites come out to play when it matters most, he did crumble. He did not play as well when it did matter most. And Baker Mayfield, I believe, did. So I think that uh, Lamar Jackson wins it. I think without a doubt he gets the win. Um, Gets the win. Well, he will win the voting and he will get the Heisman. But I still think that... Um, you know what I what I said before, the fact that you know the big moments, the big games, uh, certainly again towards the end, um, was what kind of hurt him and his team. Mm-hmm. But overall, the guy's been outstanding. Well, and this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below who do you guys have winning the Heisman. Just give us your full top five. Just rank them all for us. Let us know a little bit what you guys think about a the points that we brought up and b. What do you guys think about this? Bring the discussion to the comment section so we can continue it there. We're going to move on into our last topic, though, and you might be thinking, if you're listening to this on Blog Talk Radio, you might be thinking, well, wow, guys, this is about the time you're getting about 50-some minutes. You're usually wrapping up the wrapping up shop at this point. No, we got one more to go. That college football playoff 
discussion took a little bit of time but we needed some things that we need to get off our chest but we got one more topic for you guys brandon the big news coming out of today and for those of you who might be confused you might be saying well hey guys isn't this a uh isn't this an onside kick type of a topic i'm letting you guys know right now kind of pulling the sheet back letting you guys in me and mark are going to have too much playoff race stuff to talk about in football that this was a perfect week to kind of fit this in right here on the primetime podcast but leonard fournette is going to the nfl draft he will bypass his senior season to go to the NFL draft. And Brandon, before we get into where he could go, will he be a number one pick? I got to just ask you this. Is this the right move for Fournette to forego his senior season and go to the NFL? I don't know at this point if it is. And I'm saying that because he's going and he's headed to the NFL after a season uh, that was really kind of a down season for him. And uh, he had a lot of nicks and dings, and he was out for a couple of games and things like that. I, I don't, I don't know if it's if if it's the best time for him to go, uh, or if it's you know, uh, m- you know the the better decision to go there because of that. He doesn't want to stay in college another year where something terrible could, could happen. happen, and he doesn't get any money from it. So I, I think that maybe that's what he's thinking, but. I don't know. I, I just I think coming off of if you look at the last two seasons, it would have been really nice if he could have switched them around and mm-hmm. could have had this season last year and last year this season. So I think that right now, personally, I would say maybe not the best decision, but I think I could see where he's coming from with the thinking of, you know, I just want to try and get to the NFL, get on a team, be a top 10 pick, mm-hmm. hopefully top 15 for sure, and and get some money, get paid and and kind of be safe in that sense. I get that. But his play this past year, I don't I don't think garners um you know, him coming out when he could have another season and didn't really do well. But I think because of his his injuries this season, I think that's possibly what he's thinking. Well, to me the big thing, I totally understand why he is coming out because it's exactly what you talked about. Not only was he dinged up this season, but coming into this season, what every single conversation was, what they ESPN had Mel and Todd going back and forth talking about this when we brought up draft conversations was, should he sit out his junior year? People were actually saying, hey, maybe he should sit out his junior year so he wouldn't have any more wear and tear on the tires so that he could come to the NFL a little bit fresher. Well, obviously that didn't happen. He finished the season with 123 yards, or 123 attempts, pardon me, which was down from 300 last year. He obviously, A, played less games because he was out a few, but still saw his load lessen or weaken, not weaken, lessen, I'll say, this year. Maybe thinking about that draft a little bit, but I can see what he's saying. He's saying, hey, Why stay a senior year on an LSU team that, to me, isn't fight Like, it would be different if LSU finished five. If they were, like, a college football playoff contender, maybe Fournette would stay. Maybe. But at a running back position where he sees a a ton of workloads over the past two years, over 400 carries— 
that's a concern, especially for someone who's been injured. Now I'm going to throw someone else that we've seen already declare for the NFL draft before Fournette. It's kind of like if you look at Deonta Foreman, the running, the junior running back from the Texas Longhorns. He had a season where he had 323 carries this season, decided to go to the NFL draft, and that's the big thing with running backs. It's workload because the more wear and tear, it's just like tires on a car. The more wear and tear you have on that body, the less it's going to do in the NFL. It's not going to have that same kind of a strength unless you're like a freakish athlete, not freakish athlete, but a freakish healer, I'll say, like Adrian Peterson who can tear his ACL, come back the next year, and then break almost break records left and right. So from that point, I can understand why Fournette is saying, hey, let's go to the NFL draft, let's get our money now, because I'll be honest, I look at the top five right now, and this could obviously change, but after week 13, you have Cleveland, who they win a game and maybe, well, actually they got to win two games because they'll have a lesser strength of schedule than the Niners. They win a game, though, and we could be in a discussion for the Niners maybe getting that number one pick, but I think Cleveland's got that secure. Then you got the Niners at two right now, Jacksonville at three, followed by the Bears, and then the New York Jets. And there, to me, are two teams in this group of five that could easily take a running back, and that's the Cleveland Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Cleveland Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars at this point could take a number of uh, any positions, actually. You play football? Cool, come on. That's basically what they need, right? Yeah, so I mean, I think that he probably could go, and certainly in the first top five picks. Uh, but, um, you know, it, you you got to assess everybody else as well, too. And I and mm-hmm. I think that uh, once you're kind of set and settled on everyone that's going to be coming out and and uh, taking a look at all of them and, and you know, it's 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 more than two. And, and I'm not saying anything for these guys, but I'm saying, you know, what do they do off the field? What do they do on the field? How are they in in both areas? I mean, these teams, um, except for the Cleveland Browns, I think, all look at, you know, kind of the character Mm -hmm. um, of the... I think Hugh is going to look at character, though, the Wolverine. Hugh will, yes. (laughs) I'm just saying the Cleveland Browns as a franchise, typically, certainly in the last couple of years, have not really looked at, um, you know, how good of a person or how healthy of a person you are and, you know, mind, body, spirit. But I I think that... uh, I think that we have ourselves an interesting player in, in, in Leonard Fournette, a guy who has had ups and downs um, with his playing, but a guy who, when he's playing well, man, get out of the way because he's just going to run you over and keep on going. So I'm excited for him. I think that, I think that uh, the NFL will probably treat him well, especially if he can stay healthy. I think he will be really good. It all comes down to this to me, and it's like you said. If he could just flip last year and this year, top five pick guaranteed. We're having the same discussion about him that we were having this past year about a running back who's done pretty damn good and is probably going to be a Pro Bowl or maybe even Rookie of the Year in Ezekiel Elliott. Where if I, I just pulled up their stats. 
Leonard Fournette last year. This year was a down year, but if we look at what he could be, which was last year, he had about 11 more carries than Zeke, and Zeke went on to the college football playoff too, so you got to put that into consideration. 11 more carries than Zeke in less games. He had more yards, 1,953 compared to 1,821. He had about .2 more yards per average, which to me, fuck it, you're in the same ball game. You're getting about six, six and a half per carry. Good enough, you're in the same ballpark. And then you look at the most important one, touchdowns. He had 22 compared to Zeke's 23. To me, those two, yeah, a little different. One's up here, one's down here. Same kind of stat line to me overall. So if he's having, like, if he had that season this year, like you said, when they flipped him, we're easily saying Fournette's a top four pick, and we're talking about who's going to take him and where is he going to go, like Dallas last year with Zeke. But the big thing, like you said, and I say this with every draft conversation, especially this early in the year, I tell you guys, it is early. It is still early. So many things can happen. Off the field issues, we could have a combine where he has a poor performance in the combine. He could have a poor performance in his pro day. We can find out that one of the injuries that he was nursing this year isn't fully healed, and there's more there than we thought. Now, are we wishing stuff like that to happen? God, no. Why would you do that? But it's one of those things where it's so early in the draft process to where this is like a preliminary discussion is what I usually say. And if I'm looking at it from that standpoint, those barometers, Brandon, of this is a preliminary discussion, and let's say for sake of argument, the five teams, the top five that we have right now end up being the top five, Cleveland, San Fran, Jacksonville, Chicago, and New York, I think he goes to Jacksonville. And the reason why I say that is the Niners have Carlos Hyde. They're not going to draft a running back to overtake Carlos Hyde. The Bears, I feel like, should be happy with Jordan Howard and should say, hey, we don't need to waste a pick on Leonard Fournette if he falls there. And the New York Jets have Matt Forte. I mean, Matt Forte. Don't say that because Matt Matt, Forte's getting old. But but he is old. It's not he's getting old. He is old for a running back, and he is definitely declining. You can tell that. Hold on. Jets might need a quarterback. Hold your horses. The Jets need a lot of things. (laughs) But but here's here's the thing, too, is that, one, the Jets have Ryan Fitzpatrick, Bryce Petty, and that other guy from Penn State. Hackenberg. Who's I don't think anything good. So he's but a Hackenberg. He's a hack. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think that I, I think that you have three quarterbacks, but basically you don't have anybody. Yeah. And then um, don't forget Gino. But but yeah, I, I'm sorry I did forget him because I, you know, the the guy comes in and he's like, oh, I'm ready to play. Boom, I'm hurt. Punched in the face. Um, but uh, yeah, so my my fault there, Gino, for for getting you, buddy. But so you got four, you got four quarterbacks, all of which you probably don't want to have. Yeah. Um. But Bryce Petty, I think they still think they have something, and in Hackenberg, they really don't know. So I I think that they're not going quarterback, running back. You can see that Matt Forte is getting older, and you know, and the Jets know, and the reason being, why is that, Ricky? How much have they lose used Bilal Powell this season? True. 
They use him all the time, sometimes in, in a couple of games this season, more so than Forte, and he wasn't even hurt. Mm-hmm. They could definitely go with a running back and use Bilal Powell how most likely they want to use him as that third down receiving back. That's when Bilal Powell, I think, is at his best. And I could certainly see them going running back. Let me ask you this then. With the Jets and you saying could go running back, do they get the chance, though? Would Cleveland or Jacksonville pass up on Fournette? Cleveland could just because of all the different issues that they've had. Uh, I think that um, Cleveland, too, they may be happy with Isaiah Crowell. I don't know. Um, They've seen some good things out of Crowell this season. I I think that, uh, you know, they've got Gary Barnage. They've got, do they need someone on the defensive side? Do they need to go with another cornerback? That's what I think. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking they may go. Did they go Jabril Peppers at number one? No. I, the the Wow, I'm pulling out an oldie that I don't think I've used in a while, but the way I see it is they have to go defense. I don't care if it's Jabril. The guy that I would pencil in at number pencil, one. Not pen, though, not because pen. pencil you can change. You can change that. The guy I would pencil in at number one right now is either one of two guys, and it's really pick your poison. It's either Jonathan Allen at Alabama, or Miles Garrett at Texas A&M. Pick your pass rusher. You need both. Whichever one you like. You like Garrett because he's a freak athlete. You like Jonathan Allen because he plays for the juggernaut in Alabama. He's a pretty stud on that Alabama uh, defensive seven is what I'm trying to spit out of my mouth. Take whichever one you want. The Niners, I think they go quarterback. I think Chip Kelly thinks that, hey, you know what, I'm not taking this Oregon job. For nothing, I got to get a guy that I can rely on. He'll probably go maybe Deshaun Watson. Then it gets interesting with Jacksonville because this is the last gap, the last blockage before the Jets. Because like I said, the Bears have Jordan Howard. The Bears can be happy with Jordan Howard and take Jabril Peppers. But I think the Jaguars look at it and go, you know what? We've went defense the last two years. We have Dante Fowler. Then we went ahead and took... um, Ram, uh, Ramsey with the first our first pick last year. Well, first pick for them, not overall. And then you look at the running backs they have. It, it comes down to, are you happy with T.J. Yeldon and what he's been able to do? No. And the answer is exactly. I wish ever. I wish this was a video podcast because your reaction was great, Brandon. You start shaking your head. And no, you're not. Chris Ivory, I know, has had a kind of weird season this year where he hasn't been what they've expected because he hasn't been on the field for as many games as Jacksonville would hoped. And I'm not saying that's his fault. I'm just saying that's what it is. I think the Jaguars go, hey, we need somebody to come in and help Blake Bortles on the ground and take some pressure off of him. But I, I, I think that Jacksonville, I, I don't know what it was, but Jacksonville in the offseason, they got, I think, really scared and believed that they needed to go for the next best thing then at running back. Mm-hmm. They went with Ivory, and I, as much as Chris Ivory, I think, did well in his last season with the Jets, they overpaid for him big time. They gave him like $33 million, mm-hmm. and that's probably $23 million too much. 
I mean, probably about a two-year, three-year, $10 million deal probably would have been just fine. But you gave Chris Ivory a lot of money. You invested a lot in him. Mm -hmm. How do you eat that contract? Then and, and and draft of running back. I mean, that would look a little. It wouldn't look suspicious, but it could because you already invested so much money in him last year. But you have to remember too. Gus Bradley's probably not going to be the coach. Yeah, he's probably not going to be there anymore. But another thing, why I think I'm gonna I'm gonna use the phrase they could get away with it for two reasons is, and this is my last point. Besides Jalen Ramsey and Fowler Jr. Last year, they also took Miles Jack, who they expect to be a prominent figure in their linebacking core. And also, it just comes down to look at where they play. They play in Jacksonville. You got a guy where you're thinking, like, you know what? He's had a heavy workload. What do you do? Give him a warm place to play. Give him a warm place to play. Won't have to deal with the snow that often. I mean... When the team relocates to London, it'll be indoors, so you won't have to worry about the snow there or the rain there. So, and that was a joke, by the way, people. I don't think Jacksonville's actually moving to London, but I think they can get away with going with Leonard Fournette with the third pick. But really, right now, it's if I had to say, is Leonard Fournette the number one overall pick? I'm going to say no. Brandon, I will push it over to you for your final thought of is just the question of will Fournette be number one overall to the Browns? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they have um, a, a different need, and, and, and honestly, it it may be quarterback. It may be defense. They have a different need than running back, I, I think. Well, and this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below what you guys think of this and actually anything that we talked about today on the podcast because, Brandon, it's over. This was probably the longest podcast we've had in a while, but it was a doozy. And before we wrap up shop and I give you the Patreon and all that, what are your final thoughts? Well, Ricky, of course it's got to be about college football. And it is with the Alabama Crimson Tide. They are the bar. That is the bar. You want to you you see if you're a good team or not? You compare yourself to the Alabama Crimson Tide. And my thing is, other teams they have to they have to try and get there. We've talked about it, you know, all throughout this podcast. I've talked to it with a number of my friends. I've talked to it, talked about it with, all, you know, all the guys here on MVP. I I really think that other teams need to go out. They need to get the style that Alabama is playing. They need to try and get the coaching. They need to try and do all of these things because right now Alabama is uber-dominating college football. Uber-dominating college football. And what are other teams going to do? What are they going to do? I, I, I know that we've had talk that LSU is going to try and bring over Lane Kiffin. That is ridiculous if Lane Kiffin would were to do that. I, I don't think Lane Kiffin should leave it, it, anytime soon with Alabama. He's doing outstanding. He's a big part of why Alabama is the way they are right now. But other teams, they have got to look at Alabama and go, what do we have to do? We have to build and have a great defense. We've got to build and have a good offense. We've got to, we've got to make sure that we have a lockdown defense. That's really what it comes down to. Because with Alabama, you look at the LSU game, they won 10 nothing. Shout out LSU, only needed 10 points. You only needed about one. Mm -hmm. 
but they still got they still got the win because of their defense. Ultimately, if you want college football to be, you know, more exciting, more fun, more dramatic, you need to have more teams built off of what Alabama is doing. So just reach out and talk to Nick Saban. Maybe he'll give you the ingredient for success. Or maybe he'll say, Probably not. try and beat me. <laughs> but the one thing I do want to throw in about that is Sean sent us a text today, and Brandon doesn't agree with it, where I guess that if you took the ratio of votes that Alabama and Washington got in the preseason, it's a 3-to-1 ratio. The Warriors were up 3-1. The Cubs were up 3-1. Sean's saying Washington's going to upset Alabama because it's a 3-1 lead. I think it's a bit of a stretch, but it's something for Sean to lean his head on trying to keep some optimism going into that game. And just as we were uh, finishing up this podcast, Brandon, it has just been announced that Jonathan Allen, the defensive lineman from Alabama, is your Nagurtsky Trophy winner for the best college defensive player this season. Well, congratulations to him. Well-deserved. Well-deserved on Alabama defense. I mean, he's been one of the huge anchors for that defense and why they've been so good this season. Like I've said, one of the best players in that already great defensive front seven. But this is where you guys come in and let us know down below anything that we talked about today. You can follow us on Twitter. All of those are down in the description. Make sure to check out our Patreon page as well. You like the podcast. You like our videos on YouTube. You want to help out the channel even more check out our Patreon page as well. I want to thank you guys for checking out the Primetime Podcast this week. We will see you next week, but as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.